The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, She is the author of a book called Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. Welcome to the show, Vivian. Hi, Jordan. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Let's start with your background and why you are qualified to write a book about how to be successful in business. Well, first and foremost, I didn't write it alone. I brought together the experts, just like um, any great leader uh, is not the expert in everything. They bring together the guests, uh, the experts to help them, and that's exactly what I did. I brought together experts to help write for me, and um, what it is, it's a mix of everything from, you know, uh, attorneys or um, uh, basically people just who have a, a lot of expertise in any given area, and I wrote an outline that I wanted to see covered because I actually started five businesses from, from scratch. So everything from uh, background investigators and business coaches, attorneys, lifestyle disability experts, um, gentlemen who owns his own uh, payroll company, all these uh, different backgrounds getting together to give concise information chapter by chapter. So before we get into the details, we're going to do a lot of different areas of running a business. Why don't you kind of give people an overall idea of why they should want to go into business? A lot of people might be scared about that idea. They're kind of brought up to think of themselves as employees as opposed to business owners. What is the upside in being a successful business owner? Well, first and foremost is controlling your own destiny because obviously you hear many stories nowadays how – you know, raises have been frozen, and uh, well, let's face it, no one's stopping inflation. Or every year, for example, if you rent your, you know, the price of your rent's allowed to go up five percent, and nobody could stop gas prices from going up. Uh, but if you're an employee and you can't help the fact that you're not getting a raise, what are you going to do? Are your hands tied? Are you feeling frustrated? And people just look for additional jobs. But if you do some type of business on the side, and by the way, the last chapter in this book I wrote. And I came up with this very specific 10 business ideas of things that people could do at basically cost of less than $100 to start up and um, the very small, easy-to-do ideas. Uh, it, it's uh, really not that difficult to come up with unique ideas that could get someone into having their own business. And people think it's a very large, scary concept when in reality it could be something simple. It just means that you're doing it yourself and no, you don't have to be a sales professional in the highest level to get this going. You just need a little bit of strategy and understanding and how to get a little bit of help, and that's what this book does, is give them a lot of help. And so that's the upside. What what are some of the misconceptions people have about getting started in their own business? Well, I think first and foremost is that there's a tremendous amount of expense related. There doesn't have to be. Uh, and an ex- example of why there doesn't have to be a lot of expense, in the, like I said, the last chapter I wrote, I'm giving an example of things that people could do that really turns into your own um, 
you know, your own business. Well, for example, for example, for example, if you know people who are moving, and you always will come across people who are moving, but you have two full-time people working, they don't have time to pack up their own household. Well, what about offering a service that helps people pack and unpack for a moving? Stuff people don't normally think of, and that's something that you could provide as a service to you yourself on your spare time. Or what about eventually getting to the point where you hire one or two or three or four part-time assistants to do it with you? You know, that's something that I don't think anybody's ever heard of as a service. And then, of course, there's uh, helping, um, you know, people who organize uh, fundraisers like a tricky tray or Chinese or silent auction. What about creating that uh, for any non-for-profit? And you split the, uh, the winnings, so to speak, with them. Anything that's uh, raised, any funds that are raised, for example, your fee might be collecting 35% of all the monies raised and they keep the rest. It's a win-win for everybody. But have you ever heard of a business like that? I just gave two of the 10 right there. It's so great. it doesn't have to be big, expensive, or complicated. All right, so we're going to get into some of the different chapters you have in this book. Uh, you have a website related to this book, which is StopMyCrisis.com. Tell people briefly what they can get when they go to that website. Well, um, you get a synopsis of the chapters because you have the table of contents there, and you also, of course, can order the books online because this is one of two books offered. The other is for salaried individuals on other topics. Um, and, of course, the information on the guest authors that I have. Between the two books, there's 52 chapters written by 45 experts. So oh, uh, you have information including headshots and uh, bio pages for each author. Um, so you get to know a little bit about who is qualified to be author, why, and, and of course their contact information is in the books when you get the books so you can see if you want more information on a particular area, how you can reach out to them and speak to them yourself. Right, let's start with the first one. You have a chapter called You Are Not Your Business Card by Ted uh, Fetteros. Is that right? Yes, Ted Fetteros, so, yes. So he's tell a, me a little bit about who Ted is and, and what's the point he's trying to make in this chapter. Well, he's a really well-known uh, in this area a public speaker, and he's had many businesses. And he really connects people well because several of his businesses are networking organizations, uh, as in business networking and really, the concept is get to know people. Don't just hand someone a business card and expect them to automatically reach out to you if you need something. You need to develop their relationship. But for example, one of the first sentences here is attending a networking function is like dating. You, when you go out on a date, you're going to propose marriage before you even order your meal? No, exactly the same concept of you don't want to hand somebody a business card and say, so when are you going to buy from me? You need to cultivate and develop uh, relationships because people always buy or develop relationships with people they know, like, and trust. Well, you're not just going to say, here's my card, buy for me. And it's, it's the wrong expectation. And really that's what's behind it is to develop relationships so people are comfortable with you and then they refer you. I personally do a lot of business networking. And just Friday afternoon, this past Friday, a few days ago, I had someone call me said they referred to me by somebody I met, and I don't even know who that person is. It's because I get myself out there and I network and I let people know who I am and what I'm all about as a person, not just what my business is. So really the relationship is what makes the business succeed even more than the particular product or service that you're offering. Absolutely, because as you know, you can have five people in a room that do the exact same thing, and somebody's going to 
choose to do business with somebody simply because, well, you know what they say, you have a vibe come off someone with the, the, even the chemistry. So chemistry is not just about for perspective dating in the, or in the world. It's also about, well, who do you feel comfortable to do business with? You know, you get a feeling for integrity or um, honesty, just something that's a good or bad feeling about somebody. And that's why there's, it's okay to have competition because not everybody's going to like everybody else. All right, your next chapter is what you call, what form of business should I set up? There are different forms. There's LLCs, there are subchapter S, subchapter Cs, uh, a lot of different possibilities. What are some of the pros and cons of some of the different uh, business forms and how people should uh, choose which is best for their situation? Well, let me just say for a second, when you say pros and cons, I really do have uh, tables within this chapter to spell that out simply. And so uh, people should definitely, first and foremost, this chapter is written by an attorney who's been practicing over 30 years. So people should always get an opinion from an attorney with something this critical. Because once you form your company, not it's, it's not all types of formation that lets you evolve and change. Some can, some can't. So once you're in, in a certain formation, you may not be able to change it. So you don't want to jump the gun too easily. And on the other hand... You don't want to form a larger style of, uh, of a business that you might not need to. You might be okay starting off with a sole proprietorship, depending on the type of business you have. And obviously, uh, people start businesses a lot of times simply for the tax benefit. So you also really need to take into account um, how big your business is. Do you realistically think it's going to be based upon perhaps your background? I was just speaking with an expert from the SBA who said that they rate one of the criteria they have for granting loans to a new business is does that person have experience in the type of business they want to open professionally? So if you want to start a business on knitting supplies and you've never done it before or whatever, they take that into account. Well, the same thing here, you know, you want to see how fast you're going to grow your business based upon your personal experience. So I really definitely think that you need to speak to both an accountant and obviously a CPA as well as an attorney, uh, because there's a lot of different aspects that go into this very complicated area because of taxation, and then you can have unnecessary fees. For example, if you form a corporation, an LLC versus an S-Corp, you can have unnecessary fees that might not apply to your business, and that's just simply a waste of money. Should you, when you start a business, assume it's going to grow to a certain size, and that'll help inform whether you should do a sole proprietorship, an LLC, a subchapter S, or kind of what form you should do based on how big you think the business eventually might become. Right, and sometimes you just can't tell, but that's why you need to discuss it individually because some, and a professional will take into account your history. So a lot of people have never done sales before in their life, but let's face it, every single business out there needs to sell a product or service where you have a very expensive hobby that could potentially bankrupt you. So you need to take into account your own personal history and so will the professional you're speaking with. And they'll help you understand and decide which is the best way to go because then they'll see, well, how realistic is the size you think you're going to be able to grow to and, and can you evolve the starting point of the, um, you know, the formation that you start off with. If you want to take in investors eventually, is it better to have a subchapter S or subchapter C as opposed to an LLC, or are there pros and cons as far as bringing in investors? I would definitely think that um, 
you might want to start off with an LLC because then they're going to want to see if there's available or a regular, you know, to see if there's a corporation. Um, basically, they're going to want to see if can they get assigned shares. So that's where you might definitely not want to have a sole proprietorship because then, you know, it's not, sole proprietorship is obviously a lot less organized than an LLC. And it depends how much personal assets you have. That's another thing to think of. If you're a consultant, many times a consultant doesn't consider themselves a business. But if you do a type of business as a consultant that could potentially leave you vulnerable if you make a mistake in your business as to what service you offer, you could leave yourself open to a lawsuit. And if you just don't even think of forming a business or automatically when you do your taxes, uh, assume a sole proprietorship, you could be leaving yourself and your family up to personal liability. And that's another reason to look at formation of something as a S-Corp or an LLC to protect your personal assets. So there's a lot of different aspects that come into play here. And the chapter goes into more details of the pros and cons of all the different forms of uh, incorporating your business. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, she's the author of a book called Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, the Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. Her website is stopmycrisis.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Business owners, do you run your business or does your business run you? Put yourself on the road to success by tuning in to Success Unchained with hosts Anthony and Julie McGloin. At last, discover how to overcome your biggest challenges, take control of your business, and achieve the results you've always dreamed of. Find out how with our resident master business coach and world-class guest experts. Transform the nine key areas of your business and unchain your true potential. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. She's the author of a book called Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. Her website is stopmycrisis.com. Welcome back to the show, Vivian. Hello. Happy to be back. And what do you mean by be the one in five? What is that referring to? 20% of business owners that start their business will still be in business five years from now, which obviously is 20%. So when you reverse that, it's one in five. So Very 20% good. is one in five and just one to say it a different way. I want people to survive what they start. So 80% do not make it is what you're saying. Unfortunately, that's the case, and that's why I put this together. Okay, one of your chapters is called Cash Flow Tips for Your Business. Explain what that's about, and uh, how can people improve their cash flow as a business? Well, number one, this really is about collections, simply because uh, I do, as one of my uh, services to my clients, assistance with uh, lending, as in hard money and accounts receivable factoring, and that's the key right there. A lot of the money that businesses have tied up is the fact that their customers aren't paying in a timely manner. In other words, their accounts receivable collections is choking them. It's unfortunately a large reason that people go out of business is they're not getting the money from their clients that they're entitled to. Simply, one of the largest reasons is that they're very scared to jeopardize a relationship. So, for example, they will continue filling orders from a client who might owe them many different invoices and that the invoices are now going out 60, 90, 120 days. And when you let it go that far, it gets much more difficult to collect on it. And simply put is that's going to be one cause that can unfortunately let you become one of that 80% that goes out of business. And that's really, this is one of the most important chapters in this book is understanding how to make that account to see time shorter and collect the cash you're due. One of the things you have in here is how to ask for money what is the three-step process in how you should ask for money and how should you not ask for money when you're uh, owed money? Well, be very specific and don't put it off. People get nervous. They don't want to lose a customer, uh, but then they also want to have the contact more frequent. And instead of, for example, saying due in 10 days or 30 days, give a date. People just put it off saying, when was that? I mean, believe it or not, you need to spell things out for people. So say it's due on you know, September 1st, or give a specific date, not number of days. And, of course, um, deal with your staff. If somebody might just not want to talk to who they know is a decision maker for accounts receivable, so they'll speak to someone else, oh, just give a message. So make sure the staff, unless you have a very large staff, but most business owners have staff under 10 people, train them. Bring in a consultant that specializes in this, and it would definitely be to the business owner's uh, benefit to make sure everyone's trade on, on some easy steps. How much can you afford? If you're short, when can you make that? Make a specific plan because obviously there's still a lot of people struggling in their businesses or whoever that you're selling to, they might be struggling financially. And obviously you can't cut off all your customers who are slow payers. 
But if you get specific, that will really help significantly. If you can't afford the full invoice amount, what can you afford? When will you pay it? Get specific. Very good. Uh, you have a chapter on merchant services, uh, understanding the costs and uses to get new clients. What, what do people need to know about merchant services? Well, first of all, um, people, there are still many businesses. I know everyone who's into this show has walked into a restaurant who says, we just don't accept credit cards. Now, don't you think that might cost some customers? Because then, let's say you don't have cash on. Let's face it, a lot of people have stopped carrying cash. So now you'll need working with really with a debit card or credit card. Well, guess what? If, if somebody has, I'd say, going to a pizzeria, there's several pizzerias by me who do not, and bagel stores, do not accept credit cards or debit cards. They only want to take cash. They're now losing a good amount of customers. So before being scared off because there are uh, fees associated to accepting credit cards, merchant services fees, watch and understand what the fees are and look at it as a necessary cost of doing business because if you don't accept them, you will be losing out. In addition to that, you need to understand that this is a very lucrative business for those who supply this and uh, they might have per cost transaction, 25 cents, 50 cents, really get someone in who supplies this service who will explain it carefully to you. And that's where it's very important because uh, the percentage can range if it's a plain debit card all the way up to a rewards credit card. And of course, American Express is much more expensive but instead of not accepting them at all, simply by understanding them and, and really truly accepting it will help you gain more customers and advertise it. Make sure that little sticker, if you have a storefront, is on that door saying that you accept your MasterCard, Visa, et cetera. You've also got a chapter on what you call alternative business financing, bridging your financial gap. If you're kind of caught between not getting your payables in and things you owe, how can people bridge that financial gap? Well, this is another really good reason to make sure you accept credit cards simply because, and by the way, really, really important, not just people with storefronts can accept credit cards nowadays. Any business basically can. I know lawyers who accept credit cards, um, you know, service industries, for example, uh, business coach, anybody can accept credit cards as a method of payment. And instead of accepting PayPal only, that some people have chosen to do, take the credit card because... If your business is in a Pinterest money, it doing alternative financing, which is one of the things that I offer personally, what it does is opens the door to you for um, quick money if you need it. And you need to set yourself up to be able to access that money. And this is not just for people who have issues with their credit. This is for people with, all of a sudden, let's say you're selling a product. Well, what if your competitors go out of business and right now they're having a quick liquidation sale because they need to free up their warehouse space. And if you can now get a great deal and you can buy something, some equipment that you need because it's now down to 20% of the dollar, are you going to lose out because you don't have the cash? Well, if you've been accepting credit cards all along, you can get a cash advance, get cash in your hand, and now you'll be able to make a deal to buy that equipment from the competitor who's going out of business. There's a number of reasons you might be able to get or want to get very fast money having nothing to do with credit issues, which, by the way, frequently they do work with credit scores like my company does, down to 500. And even if you're only a month out of bankruptcy, you could still get money this way, where a traditional lender can never do that. And one more important aspect 
if you ever get money, a business loan from any traditional lender, I don't care what bank it is, what the very important aspect to remember is you must use the funds you receive for the loan for the intended purpose that was stated on your application. If you use it for any other reason, that is bank fraud. If you get money from an alternative financing source, you don't have your hands tied that way. And that is very important if you're running a cash lean business with slight margins. Because let's say you took out money hypothetically to buy equipment. Now let's say you all of a sudden can't make payroll. If you take those funds that were earmarked to buy equipment and remarket, reallocate to pay payroll, that's banking fraud. That is not a good idea, obviously, with all those ramifications if you're running tight margins. That's why it's another good reason to really set up your business so you can access this alternative financing, which is, for example, factoring, which is accounts receivable loan lending, you know, credit card and cash advances, merchant services advances, and other types of hard money loans, which are meant to be bridge gap loans. Very good. You've got a whole chapter on the different insurances that business owners must have. Uh, what are some things that uh, people ha- might not expect to have that re- they really should have for business insurance? Well, you'd be surprised at the, even the, the very specifics of how car insurance, let's say you're, um, and I'm just making this uh, easy, a business coach. Would you ever think that you might need uh, hypothetically different, different type of car insurance than you have? You might just regu- have regular uh, residential car insurance. There's nuances on the type of uh, insurance that are specifically for businesses that you might want to look into. Uh, like the umbrella policies are very important. And this is why I bring this to people's uh, attention, simply because lawsuits, unfortunately, in this country, we all know are rampant. And the one, one of the biggest people, uh, reasons people go out of business, like I said, 80% does, is simply with an unnecessary lawsuit because somebody didn't think they needed to be protected. And this is why this one chapter is one of the really the most critical ones to be aware of because there's multiple types of insurances you've probably never even heard of if you're new to owning a business. So you think a lot of people are underinsured as their business and they get caught that way? Exactly. Uh, workman's comp is another one you mentioned. Uh, a lot of people don't do that correctly. Right, and that's why all this is, is uh, workman's comp is another big uh, important one that you need to get an uh, a lot of information on get sit down and get a consultation understand the necessities of it and this is why the SBA or um, other organizations for example score uh, these are all really good ex- ex- associations that help you understand that are not from the person selling it to you so you get valuable third party and it's good to get a few second and third opinions so it's okay to go to the person who's selling it but maybe go to two or three of them but workman's comp is really important not to overlook and understand the benefits of it. There's so many things involved in running a business. People usually start a business because they're interested in the product or service they're offering, not all these ancillary things like merchant card services and getting the right insurance. It's, it kind of gets overwhelming for people who, who can get wrapped up in the bureaucracy of it instead of actually doing the business they wanted to in the first place. Well, that's why you need to understand what you're getting into, and that's why several of the contributing authors in this book are business coaches, and I ask them to pick specific areas to write on, so that way you understand how they're segregated into areas for educational purposes, really 
to see that there is a lot of different things involved. I mean, there's uh, a chapter even called the, uh, the Get Off Your Ass Mindset, How to Be Self-Motivated when you're simply a solopreneur, an uh, entrepreneur working completely by themselves without any employees. And it's sometimes very easy, they're very difficult to continue the motivation, but there's so many different areas. I have an employment attorney, um, bare knuckles aspects of employment law. But for example, uh, when I was sitting and speaking with him, he said that one of the biggest problems for companies that they don't even realize is how they handle their Christmas party, believe it or not, the holiday party. Would you ever think that's a big liability issue? And it is. Uh-huh. So, All kinds of things can go wrong there, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you got to be careful on how you set it up with your employees because we all know something even slightly goes wrong and there goes the lawsuit. So these are very things to very much uh, be aware of. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, she is the author of Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. You can find out more about her and her book at StopMyCrisis.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar, author of Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. Welcome back to the show, Vivian. Hi, Jordan. How are you doing? We're going through a lot of different topics here. So you have one on picking uh, whether your employees should be W-2 employees or 1099 uh, so independent contractors. 
Uh, what are some of the pros and cons of those, and what how do people do get that wrong in many cases? Well, I know uh, business owners all want to avoid the headache associated with having someone on payroll. There's a lot of expense and obviously time and energy and effort to it. However, I want people to know that that's another reason that 80% of business owners fail in the first five years is because this is something that can get on the radar of the government, your state government, and they can shut you down very quickly. So I really wanted to make sure this area is covered. Uh, for example... Let's say you're hiring somebody part-time and you are trying to keep them on the down low. And by the way, this, the concept of 1099 is, let's put it this way, same exact thing as if you were to pay someone cash. Because don't forget, as much as you think there's a trusting relationship there, you want to pay someone cash, well, here's the problem. They really can report you. If they say, you know, there's actually commercials that I've heard on the radio and television of, employment attorneys looking for clients, and they will say, if you didn't get this right and you didn't get that benefit, you need to sue your employer now. You need to protect yourself and your company by making sure this one step is done properly, where unfortunately it's a cost of doing business to, and the benefit of growing your business, and sometimes it's a catch-22, is knowing that you have to make employees W-2, and there's very, very few legitimate exceptions to having someone on payroll because that payroll aspect does protect you. Now, one of the shortcuts, and I'll just say this because I know we have several topics to cover, if you want to skip having someone on payroll but still have all the benefits of it, I highly recommend something I've done for my businesses in the past, which is using a temp agency and having a temp in there uh, in, in case you don't want to have someone on payroll. That way, they're getting the benefits, you're getting covered. Yes, it's a few dollars more, but honestly, when you incorporate what you'd be saving uh, or not spending on things like workman's comp and other types of aspects, and you, know, you have the tax issues, it really does work out to your benefit, but you need to take a, lot, uh, a little bit of a look that if you're controlling someone's work environment, work hours, direction, and how they do their work, that is a W-2 employee regardless of the numbers of hours they work. Kind of related to this, you have a chapter, what you call the bare knuckles of employment law. We talked about this a little bit briefly before. Yeah. What are some of the things people should know about employment law that they get caught on as small businesses? Well, first of all, don't forget, this does differ state by state. That's very, very important to recall. And obviously, but however, that being said, some of these are pretty much across the board business common sense that you don't realize. In other words, if you've never owned a business and you're not an expert in the field, you may not realize it. So uh, even though the, the, the details are different state by state, a lot of the concepts will remain the, state, uh, remain the same of a board where, for example, you might not realize that something you might be doing could be deemed discriminatory, but it could. And this is where this is one of the most valuable chapters in this book because that, again, opens you up for a lawsuit, and then not just a lawsuit, but to have investigation by uh, the state boards, and that's, that's really a huge problem, and they could cease operation of your business uh, while they look into allegations by an employee. And so that's really important. Like, for example, we were just saying before the break how if you have, for example, a holiday party, uh, and you can have issues with that. For example, everybody loves the alcohol at a holiday party, but unfortunately, if it's your holiday party 
and let's say one employee uh, is feeling harassed by someone else, that can inevitably lead to you being sued because it was your party. There is a lot of issues that are opened up with that. So unfortunately, the best decision is really not serving alcohol and uh, really coming up with a lot of safety positions around that to preserve your business. As just one example. Related to this, you have a chapter on background investigations. What should people know when uh, researching people before they hire them? Oh, my goodness. I think this is the one thing people rarely realize to do. Unfortunately or unfortunate, depends how you see it. A lot of people are just very trusting. And unfortunately, the, the, we all know that there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be. And to give any personal example, I had invested into someone's business where then I came to find out later on, not only uh, had they swindled, so to speak, um, other people that I didn't know until afterwards, but they had, um, you know, they've had actually had done this to several other people. And if I had been able to research them, I could have found this out. So I personally have been a victim of this, uh, someone's unscrupulous behavior that perhaps could have been found out. And so the individual who writes this chapter actually has been investigations for companies as large as Walmart and, uh, you know, really top-notch levels. And there's a lot of details as to how and why. Uh, if you look into, for example, you know, uh, even your nanny, if you want to know that you could check, by the way, did they ever get a DUI? If they're even possibly driving your children somewhere. So it's not just high-level partners or even employees. But let's say you're a regular individual who's hiring a caregiver on a part-time basis. You can even find out something like driving on suspended license or DUI. And what if a uh, school bus driver had a history of driving 80, 90, 100 miles an hour? It's happened. Don't think that everybody's the nice, clean-cut, honest person they portray themselves to be, unfortunately. Can you look these things up online or do you need to hire a private oh. investigator? You'd think that you could, but you really can't because let's, for, let's take, for example, the fact that you're not going to know if someone has a history of reckless driving. You can't look that up online. And by the way, I tried when I was researching to do this book. I didn't want to just take the PI's um, you know, word for it. So there are websites that claim you could look up someone's information online, and I even paid to run it through on myself and others. Guess what? A lot of their information, that's why I did it on myself, inaccurate. They didn't even have my current address there. They're saying they can get uh, histories of arrests. I did it for someone else who I know who had gotten arrested uh, for DWI. It wasn't even on there. So those other ones that say you could do it online, inaccurate. I would not trust it, especially when something comes uh, down to something as important as the success or survival of your business. Okay, you have a whole chapter as well on medical care discount plans. Uh, health oh. insurance is very controversial these days, and health insurance premiums are going up dramatically because of uh, Obamacare coming in. How can people still get health insurance but not have to pay these very high premiums? Well, first and foremost, these types of plans are by region or by state, so you need to find out what's available by you. Uh, but that being said, the, the plans range everything from 20 bucks a month to $80 a month, and it's usually everybody in the household is covered. And I really think this is important for an employer for several different reasons. Number one, small employers don't have to and aren't able to frequently provide insurance, especially if you only have one or two or three employees. However, 
let's say you own a deli, something very basic, and you can't afford to provide insurance for your three employees. Well, if they're making, I don't know, 10 bucks an hour, well, what if somebody comes in and they know it's difficult to hire in your area for some reason, and they're a competitor, they'll say, well, by the way, you seem like a nice person, come work for me. Well, their employee, uh, your employee can now, if you offer this discount plan, which is very inexpensive, you could offer to pay half of it, or it depends on the level, the entire monthly premium, which for insurance could be several hundred dollars a month, but for this, it could be $20 a month. Huge savings. You're giving something. It's not insurance, but now they have something tangible they can point to saying, oh, no, thanks. I don't want to move for 50 cents an hour when my employer does offer me this benefit. <coughs> and they simply will point to it, and it makes... Uh, obviously, we know turnover costs a tremendous amount of money. It's not just going through the process of hiring someone, the training time. Time is obviously money, and it's very expensive to rehire someone. So this helps to maintain your employee. It's an employee retention program, really what it is, but it's also very valuable to the employee. So, you know, happy employees last longer and keep the business running smoothly. You've got a chapter in probably one of your biggest skills, which is in-person business networking. What do people do <laughs> wrong about business networking, and how can they do it better? Well, first and foremost, um, attend networking events. I've actually attended, ready for this, nine events so far in August, four last week alone. Does that tell you a little something? I know a lot about this area. I did have someone else run, write the chapter who has his own networking event. Uh, but I actually am starting my own up uh, in two weeks. So the bottom line is this. Everything is about personal chemistry. You're not going to expect to work with everyone. You do have an agenda because your bottom line is you want to sell your product or service. But the best thing to do is not to go into a networking event, collect a bunch of cards, and expect to sell anyone directly. Never shake your hand, someone's hand and say, hi, Here's what I do, and can you continue to ramble for five to ten minutes or longer without taking your breath? The first and foremost thing you should do is look to not meet more than five to ten people, even if there's a hundred people in a room, and even if you have three hours. Have some conversations. The first thing you should be really saying to someone is, how can I help you? Really think about it, and then genuinely come up with some ideas when you hear what they do first. Because obviously, naturally, professionally, people will want to reciprocate. And even if that doesn't happen, what I like to do is find just three people in any given event where I could do what's, what I like to call or some organizations call a one-on-one. -on -one. Ask them to say, look, do you have time for this week, next week, a cup of coffee, and we can see how we might be a fit to work with one another for a long term. Honestly, I've built up the concept of networking to where I have over 5,000 contacts in the last, uh, say, 8 to 10 years. But these are a lot of people uh, who I've gotten to know, and um, it really works well. So developing what I call a circle of influence is having a strategic alliance with, say, um, anywhere between 8 to 20 people who are in a good position to refer you business. For example... As I mentioned, one of the businesses I do is um, accounts, free, accounts receivables, cash advances, and hard, hard money lending. Who do I work with a lot? I had five one-on-one -on -one meetings with local branch managers of banks. Why? I'd like to find out who they can help because I know that I most likely can 
approve loans that they have to deny. So who is it that's a good strategic partner for your business? And that's who you need to target to ask them, can we sit down over coffee and talk further? Never try to sell anyone at the actual event. And always let them speak first. Good idea. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. She's the author of Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. A website you can find out more about her is stopmycrisis.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Vivian Gaspar, is author of Stop My Crisis, Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. Her website, stopmycrisis.com. Welcome back to the show, Vivian. Happy to be back, Jordan. You have a chapter on something you do a lot, which is public speaking and uh, public speaking skills for business owners and sales professionals. First of all, what is the benefit of public speaking? And then what are some of the things that uh, people should know about it to do it successfully? Oh, well, uh, first of all, the lady who wrote this uh, book is not just a public speaker. Who's had, she's also had her own local TV show. And actually, I was actually a guest on that show about 10 years ago for one of my businesses. But I personally have worked with a lot of different forums to publicly speak in hundreds of events um, over the last more than a decade. I've worked with the Department of Labor. And the one thing people need to remember is, yes, it might be scary to stand in front of people, but it's one of the most effective ways to get your message out and get new clients. And it also elevates your position as an expert in everything you do and whatever you're portraying that you're doing. For example... When I worked with uh, my partner, the attorney, on mortgage modification, what did I do? I got the message out there 
by educating the public on the foreclosure process and understanding the current uh, theme and feeling of what's going on in the modification arena. And what people need to remember is the benefit is potentially getting new clients, and yes, it works. It works very well, otherwise I wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have done hundreds of events. But also, you don't need to be perfect. If, for example, you're in the middle of speaking, you lose your train of thought. You sit there blank-eyed. It's okay to say, so now where was I? And somebody inevitably will shout out what you're saying last. And believe it or not, no one cares. It's okay. You don't have to worry about the pressure of being perfect. And every public speaker I know, and I belong to organizations for public speakers, they all know the same trick. The trick is simply, don't be afraid. Everyone's just looking to you for the information you're already an expert on. And also wanted to let you know is don't have to have fancy presentations. You can just get up there and speak. And, of course, leave time for questions and answers and let the audience also guide you. And then you turn it into more of a conversation. You're letting them guide you a little bit, and that's something you could do when you do get very nervous. Remember, you're the expert. You know what your subject you're speaking about. And it's all about if you want to have slides and presentations to guide you, that's great. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I personally hardly ever use PowerPoint slides. What I'd rather you is give overview information and then let the, uh, the audience's questions guide me on the subjects or the aspects of the subject that I'm going to be answering. And that's how the, one of the best ways to gear a speaking engagement is with questions because somebody inevitably will say, oh, yeah, I wanted to know that too. And so they'll think of another question that will dovetail on that. And next thing you know, more than half your time could be used up with that. And that's also another great way to have a speaking engagement is through a Q&A in and of itself. So don't be afraid. I know the old adage is somebody is such a high fear of public speaking, they'd rather be in the coffin. You know what they say, it's, they're more scared of being the one giving the eulogy than in the coffin. So they'd rather be dead than speaking. Don't be afraid. It elevates your stance as an expert. It will get you results for clients, and it makes you look great. And remember, if it's a casual environment, always wear one or two steps above your audience uh, in, in your attire. But remember, everybody goes there to hear you. You're the expert, and be confident in that. Know that there's a reason you're there. What are some ways people can organize for delivering their speech easily? Well, first of all, don't try to do something from scratch. This is something I have a lot of experience with. Instead of organizing your own independent event where you have to worry about how are you going to get an attendance, look to speak at association events where you don't have to get the audience. The audience is already there. They have to show up for association events and find what makes sense for the target audience who you're looking to sell to and provide simply education. You should be doing such a good job with the educational piece, they're not realizing or there's absolutely no intention of feeling sold. So that's, that's really the important way that it's just pure education. And just by the nature of what it is, people will come to you as the expert. Inevitably, they'll want to be your client because of you're generous with your time and information and uh, you're giving as an expert, and that attracts people completely. You end your book with 10 ideas for your next business startup. We've talked about some of them before, but maybe give us two or three others 
uh, that might be helpful if people want to start a new business. Now, this apparently is going to be my freebie for the day, right there, Jordan? That's You're right. You're going to get this, this uh, 10 chapter ideas. Uh, you got a flavor for the rest of the book. This is something I'm going to give away as the treat to be on this show. So, first and foremost, how many people love to just be on the Internet? Let's face it, this generation of people are in the Internet constantly. P- uh, kids know how to be on the Internet more than adults sometimes. So why not put that to use? The first and foremost easiest way to have a business is provide a service at a reasonable price that someone is too busy to do for themselves. For example, managing social media for professionals. That might be number two, but I wanted to get to it first. I have several friends who are attorneys, CPAs. Everybody is told to have a Facebook page for their business, a Twitter, a LinkedIn, etc. They know they're supposed to post, um, you know, tweets. They're not supposed to update their Facebook profiles, their LinkedIn. They're supposed to have messages. Do they have time to do it? Of course they don't. But there are so, uh, man, social media experts out there who provide the service, but honestly, just not enough. And every single sole per tat, per, uh, professional, for example, like I said, the individual attorney, the individual CPA, all of them want this service done. And if you offer at a reasonable rate, it'll take you literally one or two hours per week to do a good job for someone. And guess what? An average going rate is, let's say, for example, $200 or $150 a month, but you're only working, let's say, six hours a month to do that. And every professional I know is more than happy to pay for it. And the most important lesson to learn for any one of these service businesses to provide is... Never think you're pigeonholed to the income that's standardized by where you live. For example, let's say you live in a state with a lower standard of income. For example, um, New Mexico. New Mexico's cost of living is very low in relationship to, for example, New York. Well, no one says you can't contact attorneys in New York or New Jersey where there's a higher standard of living and make the money that they would think is not a big deal around that area, but yet you live in New Mexico, so now you've basically elevated your ability to earn money simply by thinking outside of your own personal region. Very good. All right, we have about a minute to go. Just kind of summarize what a difference it could make if you apply, if a business person applies a lot of these ideas we've talked about compared to what they're doing now. Well, two easy answers. Whether you're a man or a woman, let's face it, most people have kids, and if you have ch- uh, school-age children, one of your biz- or younger, one of your business busy- biggest expense of your household is, of course, childcare. Well, how about working in such a flexible schedule where you never have to worry about that again? I have two children. If they were to be in after-school care, I'd be paying about fifteen hundred a month because of the job I choose to do. And how I choose to do it, I don't have to pay that at all because I have a complete flexible schedule. Everyone can, and the 10 jobs that I mentioned, uh, all those ones in the last chapter, every single one of them, someone can avoid child care costs because of flexible schedule and exponential growth that can definitely outweigh any economy uh, and, of course, inflation by taking your own future into your own hands. Very good. We have to uh, end. Uh, my guest has been Vivian Gaspar. She's the author of this book called Stop My Crisis, B 
Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals Guide to Success. We just scratched the surface. There's all kinds of other interesting information in there. You can find out more about it at stopmycrisis.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Vivian. My pleasure. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.